Our lesson this morning is from Mark chapter 2. One Sabbath he was going through the cornfields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I am ready for a rest. We're at that time of the year when many of us are racing for the finish. At Calvary, Sunday school ended a couple weeks ago, and after a huge sigh of relief, I checked it off my list for a little while. I had the sermon to write for today. Check. My son's school ends Thursday. Check. Vacation Bible School at Calvary starts the 18th of June, and after that really, really big check, I finally get to rest. My family and I, in July, will head to Michigan to the cabin my grandfather bought in 1951, and whose existence has been an integral part of the ebb and flow of my yearly activities since literally before I was born. I was there in the womb in 1971. Rest is imperative, no matter who you are. Not just the daily hours of sleep between periods of activity, but rest on every level, physical, emotional, and spiritual. We all find ourselves depleted and need to refill our wells, so to speak. Even God rested after six days of speaking creation into being. I am having a problem with this microphone, excuse me. It's the hair. <laughs> There's so much of it. Ah. Goodness gracious. All right. As I was saying, even God rested after speaking creation into being for six days. The ultimate model for us, those created in God's image, and God didn't just model rest, God mandated rest in Jewish law. You may or may not know that the Ten Commandments appear in the Bible in two different locations, one in Exodus and one in Deuteronomy. 
Both lists of commandments have slight variances, and notably, both differ in their explanation of this commandment about Sabbath. In Exodus, we are to remember the Sabbath, just remember it because God rested on the seventh day. But in Deuteronomy, we are commanded to observe the Sabbath, that is, to actively practice it as a reminder of God's liberating power. That we who were once slaves in Egypt had been set free by God's intervention and ought to set aside time to remember God's commitment to our life and well-being. This Deuteronomy version of the commandment about Sabbath is what Jesus is referencing in today's gospel when he says that the Sabbath was created for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. The Jewish observance of the Sabbath was not in the least meant to be some oppressive requirement. I have a dear friend who married an Orthodox Jew and committed, uh, converted to Judaism, to Orthodox Judaism. And she tells me often how much she loves the Sabbath. Now, her husband grew up Orthodox Jewish on Long Island and was bullied for it, so he tends to be quiet about his faith. He won't wear a yarmulke in public, things like that. Whereas Jessica has no problem openly declaring in mixed groups of people, I'm Jewish, with enthusiasm. She said to me the other day, Rebecca, I chose this life and it's so beautiful. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to live this way. The Sabbath is her favorite thing. I don't think Jessica is unique now and certainly not 2,000 years ago. Yet in today's gospel story, we might get the impression that the Sabbath was somehow oppressive to God's people rather than a proclamation of liberation. There are these two little vignettes. First, we have the disciples walking through the fields with Jesus, and they glean a snack as they go, which was entirely lawful to do in terms of gleaning from people's fields, except that their timing was questionable. Theoretically, they ought to have planned their meals the day ahead and taken them with them so they wouldn't have had to do what is known as work on the Sabbath. So said the Pharisees, at any rate. And when the Pharisees called Jesus and his disciples out on this gaffe, Jesus reminds them that the Sabbath is for people and not the other way around. That even the most revered king in Jewish history, King David, was given food that God had deemed off-limits in order to sustain his life when he was a fugitive. God's rules are fine to bend and break in the name of upholding life and human dignity. We have a tendency to read about the Pharisees in the Gospels and characterize them as overly legalistic bullies. Jesus himself regularly calls them all sorts of colorful names like hypocrites and vipers, but not necessarily for the reasons we might think. In fact, some biblical scholars have proposed that Jesus himself might have been a Pharisee, as evidenced by his extensive knowledge of the law and his ability to defend himself in the constant barrages of questions from the Pharisees. But whether or not that's true, it's probably a mistake to paint the Pharisees in too broad of a caricature. Professor Matt Skinner of Luther Seminary warns against this. He points out that Jesus' logic in refuting the Pharisees actually wasn't anything new, revolutionary, or scandalous. It was common knowledge that the purpose of the Sabbath was upholding the life and human dignity. The Pharisees' problem with this little episode was more likely that this was Jesus and his followers we were talking about, this new upstart stirring up trouble in the area. 
And then the fact that Jesus compared himself to King David and proclaimed that he himself was Lord of the Sabbath, that was probably the bigger issue with the Pharisees than just the gleaning of wheat in the fields. The second vignette immediately follows the first. This time they're in the synagogue itself with a man with a deformed hand who is in need of healing. This time Jesus gets a little snarky, I think. He pauses before his divine act of healing to directly provoke the Pharisees, turning the tables and testing them for a change. He seems to say, yeah, I know that you know that the Sabbath is about life and human dignity, so you tell me, do I heal this guy's hand or not? They can't win, of course, so they don't answer. And Jesus heals the man's hand, restoring him to dignity and wholeness. And really, what better day for that than the Sabbath? The bottom line is that Jesus does not show up and spit in the face of Jewish law. It's dangerous to assume that as Christians, we are somehow freed from an oppressive system of pedantic rule following meant to diminish life and restrict freedom. Quite the opposite. The law of Moses was created to bring life and liberation, dignity and wholeness to God's people. My friend Jessica chose the life of an Orthodox Jew and finds it beautiful, life-giving, and liberating. Sabbath was created for people, not people for the Sabbath. And so how do we observe the Sabbath? Not just remember it, but actually do it as it commands in Deuteronomy. Is it about rest? Is it about coming to church regularly? Listening to the word of God, being enfolded in Christian community, coming into the presence of the Holy Spirit? Is it about filling our well, resting and recharging so we can go running off again into all our busyness the rest of the week? Yes and no. Observing the Sabbath is about life and liberation, dignity and wholeness of God's people. All God's people. How many of God's people don't even have the option to observe Sabbath? How many of God's people are deprived of life, liberation, dignity, and wholeness? How many men with withered hands, with no wishing nothing more than to be welcomed into happy and productive lives? How many hungry wanderers dependent on the leavings of the field? Some time ago, I read an article about the women's movement in the 1960s and the narrative of the oppressed housewife deprived of a full life because she was forced to embody male-created gender roles to stay home and raise kids, to stay out of the work world, stuck in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. That was certainly the narrative I learned about in history books in school. But this article pointed out that there's a serious problem with this feminist narrative. It completely ignores the reality of thousands and thousands of women of color who never even had the option to stay home. Countless women of color who worked in all kinds of menial jobs in order to survive. This doesn't for a moment negate the work of the feminist movement in the 60s, except to suggest that it be seen maybe as the white feminist movement, because an entire voice was missing from the conversation. I bring this up because the narrative of Sabbath 
can't just be about Christians coming to church on Sunday. The narrative of Sabbath can't just be about overworked, overcommitted, privileged people needing to stop and fill their wells now and then. Today's gospel isn't about narrow-minded, hypocritical, bullying Pharisees who just have it in for Jesus. The Sabbath was created for people, not people for the Sabbath. Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees is just the first in a long series of conflicts in which Jesus' way of turning everything on its head and proclaiming the inclusive grace and mercy of God ended in his arrest and execution. Jesus turned Sabbath, as we might like to interpret it, on its head. It's not just for people who can afford the Sabbath. So for us, Sabbath is about rest, yes. But it's about rest for a purpose. It's about rest and rejuvenation and recharging so that we can go forth into the world and be the light of Christ. When I am at the point in my daily living where I have been pushed beyond the edge of my own stamina, I sometimes think of myself as that Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. But the water in the well is wholly insufficient to restore what is missing. The thirst that I feel in my bones, dry, aching, and brittle, as though the next obstacle might shatter me into dust. There is only one source that can restore me, and it's not a nap or a day off or a trip to the cabin in Michigan. It's the restorative power of living waters, the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. It's the renewal of the Spirit so I can heed the call back into God's ministry. It's the boundless grace that allows me to see that my privilege requires me to work towards Sabbath for all, for the life and liberation and dignity and wholeness of all God's people. Sounds exhausting, doesn't it? Caroline Lewis, another professor at Luther Seminary, says, to remain tireless, relentless, and persistent in our pursuit of life for all necessitates the Sabbath. I think that's why it's a commandment and not just a nice suggestion. By all means, take a moment, a day, a week, a couple of weeks, and rest. Recharge, refill. But in the midst of that, remember by whose power we are restored and for whose purposes we are renewed. Amen.